Hey, brother. Okay, people, buckle up because what we're delving into for today's video, I'm just gonna say it up front, is pretty wild. If you're anything like us here at Super Carlin Brothers, you've probably longed and waited and hoped that someday your Hogwarts letter would finally arrive after 23 years. At this point, I may just need to, I might just need to hang it up. But I can't. I'm just holding out hope for the world where they're like, you actually need to be like 40 before you can come properly learn magic. Gotta like get some responsibility baked in first. Should probably work on becoming responsible. But the point is there is nothing like the longing of eventually being able to board the Hogwarts Express and ride through the mountains and locks of Scotland to see the Hogwarts castle glowing off in the distance. Somehow this massive magical stone structure with its quirky staircases, lively portraits, ghosts, students, teachers, and house elves alike has felt warm and maybe even sentient in its own right. There are even manifestations of rule breaking in the form of Peeves the Poltergeist and also Filch if you believe the theories. And they are, you know, our theories, so I feel like you should, but that's a total aside. But then there's also other instances as well when the castle actually bars Dolores Umbridge from the headmaster's suite or when the suits of armor of the Hogwarts castle step forth to defend it. And while it's maybe not like animated or super lively or, you know, throwing out high five to passing by students or anything, there are the trick doors, secret passages, heck, even the room of requirement kind of gives you the feeling that the castle can think for itself a little bit. And honestly, this has always been plenty enough for me. It's been home to powerful magic and experimental students for a millennium. And as a result, some of its charm is just quite literally the magic that has like embedded itself into the walls along the way. It's almost like a permanent sticking charm, if you will. Like some magic is either just simply too powerful or too interesting, please see Fred and George's portable swamp, to simply wipe away. It's like part of the landscape of the castle at this point. But just here recently in our brand new podcast, Through the Gryffindor, which is a chapter by chapter discussion of the Harry Potter books, which is super fun, by the way, you should totally check it out. But through this extremely careful examination, we found a thread that we had never really noticed before. And when we started tugging on it, we kind of couldn't believe what we found. Hogwarts Castle is, of course, definitely a castle. However, I'm not entirely convinced it always has been. Today, I'll explain. Okay, so in case you guys are unfamiliar, there is shockingly limited amounts of information about the founders of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, but surprisingly even less about how or when the school was actually constructed. From a deep Pottermore archive post, we get the following bit of explanation. It's a popular wizarding theory that Rowena Ravenclaw came up with the name of Hogwarts after dreaming of a warty hog that led her to a cliff by a lake. It's unknown, however, whether this is actually true. A, a warty hog, not a wart hog. Okay, why not? I'll try not to assume too much in general, but you may be inclined to agree with the sentiment that like, this is lacking in some necessary specifics. Guys, I just had a crazy dream about a pig. Who's up for building the castle? Godric, I see you there. You're interested. Otherwise, we also know that Hogwarts Castle is protected by a multitude of different enchantments to protect the occupants inside. For example, we know that apparition in or out of the castle is not possible or permitted. This basically prevents students from either intentionally or unintentionally leaving the castle and also prevents any unwanted visitors from arriving at the castle. On the flip side of things though, there's also enchantments in place to prevent the non-magical population of the area from stumbling across 
across the castle by accident, which takes the form of massive disillusionment charms that would warn any unexpected visitors of danger ahead. And even if they did continue forward, what they would find is not the castle itself, but what they would see is moldering ruins. The castle otherwise we know is located somewhere deep in the heart of Scotland, surrounded by mountains, and is of course adjacent to the giant squid occupied Black Lake. And again, I've never really found myself terribly fussed about any of these bits of information. As far as I was concerned, it's just far enough away, remote enough, that really nobody unexpected is ever just going to show up by mistake. But as I mentioned before, we have found a new threat, something we've never really given much attention to before, and it starts to bring this entire conversation into much, much sharper focus. The detail in question happens on Harry's first ever day at Hogwarts, where we know he boards the Hogwarts Express, he travels across the Black Lake with Hagrid in the small boats. He is sorted into Gryffindor. He then enjoys his first ever Hogwarts feast and is led by Percy the Prefect to the Gryffindor common room where we learn the very first password is... Caput Draconis. Hey, wait, didn't we just meet a character like 30 seconds ago who's like the absolute worst and goes by the name of Draco? Think my name was funny, do you? Honestly, I've never really thought Draco was a funny name, but this is a weirdly big coincidence, am I right? This is the first time that we're ever entering the Gryffindor common room, and the fact that the password itself is so incredibly similar to this very, very mean 11-year-old somehow makes it feel like ominous a little bit. Either way, we were very interested to know what Caput Draconis actually translated into, which takes about four seconds of Googling and will tell you it means dragon's head or head of the dragon. And because what we do is overanalyze every detail of the story, we immediately wanted to figure out whether or not this was somehow super important in any other way other than just being the Gryffindor common room password. And what we found almost immediately is that Caput Draconis happens to be one of the 16 geomantic symbols, which I'll admit at first meant pretty much nothing to me, but after poking around just a little bit, I found the following backstory on Wikipedia. The 16 geomantic figures are primary symbols utilized in geomancy, an ancient divinatory practice. Each figure consists of four lines representing the classical elements and can be interpreted through various methods and questions. And what really blew my mind about this particular discovery is that inside of these 16 geomantic symbols are a few other terms that you've almost certainly heard of before. Obviously, we have the one that led us there in the first place, Caput Draconis, which means head of the dragon and is of course the Gryffindor common room password, along with Fortuna Major, which serves the same role as a Gryffindor common room password. Fortuna Major. <laughs> it's all right. Go in. But then also included in this list of 16 symbols is Albus, as in Dumbledore, and Rubeus, as in Hagrid, which I was like, well, shoot. Those are some pretty significant characters. So like, could that possibly mean that the other terms that are borrowed from this list, like are they also equally important to the overall story? And as it turns out, Fortuna Major is just simply astrologically associated with the Leo star sign. Leo is a lion, Gryffindor's mascot is a lion. So simple sauce, that's a good password. Caput Draconis on the other hand is associated with beginnings. And to be fair, this is Harry's first ever trip to the Gryffindor common room. But this felt like a little bit light to me in terms of what it meant overall in the story. I mean, this is Harry's first visit to the Gryffindor common room. So I'll admit we were just literally joking around a little bit and we were kind of like, oh, okay, like head of the dragon. like. Gryffindor Tower is one of the highest towers at the school. Like, what if at one point in time, Hogwarts used to be a dragon and Gryffindor Tower was its head? And trust me, we really were just kidding. Like, literally chortling at the thought. We don't chortle over like small things. But then we were all kind of like, wait a second. 
what if the castle used to be a dragon? So then it's all like, hold up, hold up, hold up. It's like, what's the school motto again? Does anybody happen to know? Yes, Hogwarts does in fact have a school motto and you've almost certainly stared at it like a whole bunch of times and never even realized it, but it's right there underneath the crest. Draco Dormian's Dunquam Titillandus. You'd of course be forgiven for not knowing this particular detail as it is literally never mentioned in the books. And yet it is very real, but because it's specifically never actually referenced, we also never really get like a backstory as to why this would be the Hogwarts motto. Even the translation has never been terribly informative, and if anything, is kind of silly. It's literally never tickle a sleeping dragon. I'm not gonna lie, I, was not, I wasn't planning on it in the first place. It seems self-evident. It's a dragon. This is why you have to be 40 to go to magic school. But either way though, it's a little bit of like a play on the phrase, let sleeping dogs lie, which is essentially a sentiment that suggests like, hey, if something isn't a problem, then don't invite it to become a problem. And in general, this just kind of seems like good advice for students. Like don't go stirring up trouble where you don't need it. Ironically though, it is something that Harry is pretty much just like doing all the time. He's just always kind of like going through trap doors or illegally brewing polyjuice potion in the girl bathroom in order to find out the true culprit of the Chamber of Secrets. Actually, in that particular instance, he's quite literally doing it so he can go and talk to somebody by the name of Draco, which again means dragon. So in a way, he's kind of tickling the dragon. Then there's also the time that he actually fights a dragon, although again, to be fair, that one wasn't his fault. In year five, Umbridge is arguably a dragon that he's tickling endlessly. A sentence that now when I say it out loud does seem kind of odd. But being the nail that sticks out against the Umbridge regime is almost guaranteed to get you hammered and not in the fun way. No, but for real, he actively opposes her in the classroom. He gives interviews against her. He forms an army against her and uses her fireplace. That last one without context doesn't seem that bad. Do not warm yourself by my fire, Potter. Spot on Umbridge, right? Kind of a deep gravelly voice. <laughs> but surprisingly, all these things kind of end up being for the better. It's almost like at times Harry is quite literally going against the Hogwarts motto and waking the sleeping dragon and then conquering it. Oftentimes for the benefit of, you know, all mankind. So good for Harry. And guys, we need to take a quick break to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Bespoke Post. Guys, no matter where your adventures take you this fall, Bespoke Post has a box of awesome that is sure to make those journeys that much more awesome. In case you're unaware, Bespoke Post is one of my personal favorite brands and is just jam-packed with really cool gear from small businesses all around the globe. For example, this past summer, I got their chill box, which comes with this really cool cooler, which is just super portable. It's really good looking and durable. We threw it in the boat when we were out on the lake, or we just like bring it out next to the campfire at night when we're chilling on these cooler nights. But speaking of cooler, I could not be more excited for my own next upcoming box, which is the Hibernate box and comes with these truly glorious and cozy looking slippers. You can better believe that I will be ready for all cozy circumstances at all times. Although I have to admit the other box of awesome that caught my eye this month in particular is the spiced box, which comes with like a whole kit and everything you need to make apple cider donuts. For me, best case scenario right now is wake up, put on my cozy slippers, walk downstairs to my own homemade donutty deliciousness. 
just made Donutty a word. But if either of those boxes don't seem to resonate with you in particular, then not to worry because there's a massive selection to choose from across a myriad of different categories. And if you need a little help, they also have a quiz over at boxofawesome.com that will like narrow in on what's best for your lifestyle. Plus they release new boxes every single month. It is free to sign up. You can skip or cancel at any time, which fully allows you to sort of just pick and choose whenever you see a box that catches your fancy. Plus you can get 20% off your first monthly box when you head on over to boxofawesome.com and enter promo code super at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com promo code super for 20% off boxofawesome.com promo code super link in the description down below. Definitely check it out. Anyway, though, back to our original point. So we started with the idea. What if Gryffindor Tower used to be the head of the dragon and then combine that with the Hogwarts motto of don't tickle a sleeping dragon. So of course my first order of business was to go and track down my copy of Fantastic Beasts, which wasn't hard. It's always pretty much close by hand. You never know when you're gonna need it. And what I was looking for was a candidate within these pages to see whether or not there was a dragon of such size. And to my wonderful surprise, hang on, I, I thought I might get lucky and flip to it. And to my surprise, I found this. The common green Welsh, which was actually not useful at all. This was a bad setup. But there is one other dragon that happens to reside in Scotland, and it's this, the Hebridean Black. The Hebridean Black is specifically a very large dragon that specifically resides in Scotland, even more specifically in the Hebrides, which is an archipelago just west of the Scottish mainland. So again, home habitat, pretty dead on. It's also known for its aggressive nature and having purple eyes. And I will say that the one hangup that I had in particular is that despite the fact that it's pictured the size of a mountain here in the book, it's listed as only growing up to 30 feet. But I wasn't willing to let that necessarily hold me back. So from here, I just started researching a little bit about what relationship Scotland in particular out here in the real world has with dragons in terms of their folklore. And as it turns out, there is a very famous dragon in Scottish folklore referred to as the Bethir, which I am fairly certain I'm not pronouncing correctly, but if you are Scottish and know how to pronounce it and want to help me with that, please let me know. And just listen to the description of the Bethir. The largest and most deadly kind of serpent or as a dragon. It dwells in mountainous caves and valleys and is equipped with a venomous sting. And just scrolling around a little bit, trying to find more information about this particular dragon, what I discovered is that it's so famous in Scotland that there is quite literally a mountain named after where it was believed to have lived. That is called Bien Abathir, or Mountain of the Beast. And just take a look at a shot of this particular mountain. Like notice the incredibly steep cliffs and its general proximity to a huge lake. What this means is that in Scotland, where we know Hogwarts to reside, there happens to be in Scottish folklore, a gigantic dragon that is supposedly residing within a specific mountain that fits the description of where Hogwarts castle is. And within both the wizarding world and in Scottish folklore, there is a dragon that is described as being as large as a mountain. Now, if you're a bit of a geology nerd or a mountaineer or simply from Scotland, you might be aware of one particular detail about this idea. And that is that Bien Abathir is not part of the Hebridean mountain range and is instead located in mainland Scotland. But this actually kind of plays pretty nicely into the theory itself because the Hebridean black is regarded as such a dangerous and volatile dragon that it requires a 100 mile radius for each individual. But 
the specimen in question, one of this size, is going to need even more than that. So what is it to do? It finds its own mountain very, very nearby and becomes the subject of the locals' folklore. But here's the thing. We're staring at these two photos, one of the Hebridean Black and one of the mountain in question. And as we're trying to determine whether or not this theory like holds weight, we started to realize these two images look incredibly similar. And if you lay the picture of the Hebridean Black over Bien Abathir, you will find that they are nearly exactly the same. And it's not just like the ridges on top, but also the way the head swings around and the small islands up front. At this point, I'm just honestly becoming fairly flabbergasted at like the number of similarities and how well this idea is starting to fit together. So I'm just reading more about the mountain in particular. And I discover that even locals who hike this particular mountain most commonly do so on a path called Schoolhouse Ridge. Like, Schoolhouse Ridge? What, what kind of perfect fit is this? What school would otherwise ever be out here? So here's what I think happened. I think the founders discovered or were told about a massive Hebridean black that was living deep in the heart of Scotland. And I think for these surrounding muggles, it is the same dragon that fills their folklore. The founders, either unwilling or simply unable to tame such a massive beast, at best were able to put it to sleep. And once the dragon was asleep, and being some of the most powerful witches and wizards to have ever lived, transfigured the dragon into Hogwarts Castle. And also settle on the motto, never tickle a sleeping dragon, which now all of a sudden makes way more sense. From their perspective, never tickling a sleeping dragon was like, literal advice because it will wake up and kill you. But it also works nicely as a motto, you know, for a high school because it encourages the students to just simply not misbehave. But I also think that the real warning attached to this motto is do not attack the school or else the school will attack back. So what it's actually saying is don't tickle a sleeping school because that school is actually a dragon and will bite your head off. And we literally see some of this come to pass in Deathly Hallows when Voldemort attacks Hogwarts, it starts to fight back. And it's not just the suits of armor or protective spells, but also the professors and students that reside within Hogwarts as well. They are part of the school and therefore part of the dragon. So don't tickle a sleeping dragon isn't just advice to the students, it's advice about the students. Never challenge those that call Hogwarts Home. Hogwarts is my home. But also then just like in the meantime, I feel like this also starts to explain like all the other quirky details about the school, like the moving staircases. It's like, this is sort of still like a living, breathing entity of sorts. I also just personally think it'd be very interesting if like, if Gryffindor Common Room is in fact the head of the dragon, if the four founders were attempting to transfigure this massive beast into something else, then maybe each of the respective common rooms are the parts of the dragon that each of the other founders transfigured. But there you go, guys. If you have ever wondered to yourself, like what on earth does that school motto, never tickle a sleeping dragon actually mean? We believe that the castle itself at one point in time just simply was a dragon. Be sure to let us know your thoughts in the towel section down below. 
But guys, as always, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already so you don't miss out on any future Harry Potter action from us. If you'd like to find out how the Night Bus might actually be a transfigured Zowu creature, you can check out this video right over here. It's one of our all-time favorites. Or if you'd like to hear us talk about each of the chapters of the Harry Potter saga, you can do so with our brand new podcast, Through the Gryffindor, right over here. Otherwise, guys, until next time, bye!